Well, folks, the date is January 1st, 2021, and welcome to the Northern Grower Podcast. Broadcasting from our little Alberta homestead, my name is Erin. Thank you for tuning in. I mentioned the date because today we are going to be discussing this particular time of year and what it means for gardeners, homesteaders, farmers, and growers, especially those of us in the northern climates. I feel if you're like me, you have started to look ahead to the year 2021 and what it entails for our gardens. Whilst 2020 has been one heck of a historic year, it also welcomed a whole swath of first-generation gardeners and growers alike. Back in the spring, when headlines of stockpiling and shortages were everywhere, many folks started to think about their own food security and began to turn towards their backyards and balconies and took their first steps towards what is hopefully a lifetime of passion and pursuit in the journey that is growing your own food. So whether you are a seasoned veteran or a complete novice, I warmly welcome you to this gardening space. So, as I've said, many of us are browsing those seed catalogs, we're organizing our stashes, we're drawing a blueprint of our gardens, and we're starting to think about what we're going to grow this year, when we're going to plant it, what our gardens are going to look like. So, we're planning ahead for that new gardening season. And maybe, like me, you get flutters of excitement because you've pulled out your current seed collection, you're feeling the crinkle and rattle of those seed packets in your hands, Perhaps you you too are eagerly awaiting the mail carrier's approach, hoping that this will be the day that new seed catalog arrives, or you're looking online and maybe staying up a bit too late looking at seeds online. Or maybe you're sitting there and you could be wondering, where on earth do I even start with all of this? Planning your garden? Ordering seeds in January? Don't you just run to the hardware store? Buy a few random packets of tomatoes, carrots, some flowers that look nice, and go put them in the ground. And trust me, when I first started gardening, that was how I did it. And for those first few years, it worked well. I did not know what I was doing, and I had no prior knowledge. And I thought, you, yeah, gardening was buying those seed packets that you get at the hardware store, and you just plant them in the ground, or in my case, you put them in containers on a small balcony in a downtown apartment, and you kind of just hope for the best and hope they grow. Well, back then, it worked for me. It wasn't about food production and seed saving, as it is now, but it was just for fun. And if we got a few tomatoes to toss onto a salad, that was always a bonus. And that was the start of my journey into gardening. Once we moved and got more space, that's when we really started turning towards uh, producing food, growing vegetables and herbs that we could eat and preserve. And particularly with uh, 2020 and the stockpiling and the food shortages that were seeming to become apparent last spring, we definitely had to up our game this year. So... We definitely grew more last year than we usually would. We planned better. We planned more efficiently. And we also 
got a canner this year and we started canning, which was new for us. We always usually typically um, freeze or use a cold storage. Um, and this year we actually started canning as well. So we'll get more into those type of aspects in later episodes. But that is basically why we really took to planning and growing a productive and efficient garden, particularly in the last year, but we've been doing it for the last several years. And it felt so much better just knowing we had that garden space there, that we had the opportunity and the privilege to be able to grow some of our own food this year. It definitely put a little bit of anxiety at ease for me. And I'm sure for many other people, it also did as well. And I do believe, I think there was also a big, um, if the seed shortages as well were anything to go by last year, a lot of people had the same ideas. So I do also want to just take this opportunity to pause and say I am not here to do tell you in the Northern Grower podcast I'm not here to tell you that my way or the methods we use on our homestead on strategies and ideas are right and other methods are wrong anything I discuss here is just what worked for me what worked for us in our garden and what we have found to be successful everyone's journey and place is unique And you may have your own groove going on, which is great. I am simply sharing thoughts and ideas because I know when I first began my gardening journey, I was a little clueless. And having access to a broad community of gardeners, podcasts and knowledge base would have been useful. And definitely after exploring the world a bit more in the last few years, I've definitely found there is more of an online community base for this now which is really good for those of us starting out. So I'm going to run through the steps I take to plan my garden at the beginning of the year. So let's start with why bother planning, and we've touched on this. Honestly, I do believe it makes your garden more successful if you plan ahead. You're planning what to plant, when to plant it, and how to plant the seeds you have. You can increase productivity this way. Secondly, I also believe it is a way of maximizing the space you have. You want to utilize what space you have in your garden to the best of its ability. What parts of your garden, for example, are sunny and shady, will impact what grows well there. Where can you plant in the ground? Or maybe you're having to do a container or raised bed garden. And also supplies. So as I had mentioned, seeds sold out last year and are actually very hard to come by. So they really did become a hot commodity and planning ahead and getting those orders in at this time of year, well, that just puts you a little bit ahead of the game. And it means when it is time to plant for the season, you already have a good supply and have what you need on hand. And as we'll get into later episodes, you may even start to get into um, seed saving which we thankfully have a lot and a lot of seeds saved. And that was a really um, good place to be in last year when those seed shortages happened. But seed saving is a really useful tool to have in your in your gardening toolkit. And in later episodes, we will discuss, we will be discussing how to save seeds and how to go about that as well. 
But the first things first, planning our garden for the year ahead. So step one, what are the microclimates in your garden? You may need to observe your garden for a wee while if you do not already know these things. So think which parts of the yard in your garden are shady, which parts are sunny. Which areas of your garden are colder, which are warmer. We have both a north and southern exposure in our growing areas, so our southern garden always gets more sunlight and the soil warms earlier and quicker in the growing season. Our northern garden is much more shady and cooler. If you live in northern climates, you are probably well aware that snow and ice can linger on the ground in northern shady patches well into June some years. And definitely that will affect then what we can grow. We think we look at our seeds and what we want to grow that year and we think, well, what will do better in the southern facing garden and what can grow in the northern facing garden. Step two, draw a map or blueprint of your garden out. It doesn't have to be pretty or a work of art, but at least do a rough sketch. Then I advise you to just shade out and map out the areas in your garden that are cooler, shadier, and those areas that are warmer or sunnier. And draw out your garden beds. Map out your your garden where you may currently have growing space, where you have containers, where you have beds. And if you're planning on expanding, map out where it's feasible to have more raised beds, whether you're going to plant in the ground, or where you will be container planting. Think about your space. Can you plant alongside the house anywhere? As it can be a little bit warmer. So planting alongside the house, if you can get a bed going alongside the house, it can be a few degrees warmer than the surrounding area. And that's just with the heat coming off the house. Um, So we always utilize that space. We have small beds running along around our house and we utilize that space for growing as well. So can you use spaces like that? Can you vertical grow anywhere? So can you place trellises anywhere and put in some plants that enjoy growing vertically? And we've always grown peas and beans vertically on trellises just in our beds. And last year we actually decided to um, grow ver- go pumpkins vertically against our garage. And it actually worked out beautifully. We got a really good harvest of sugar pumpkins and they did not take any space up across the ground or in a bed they literally grew vertically up the side of our garage and it was a really awesome um, it was really awesome and enjoyable experiment that we did so I'm glad we did that so think about could you plant some trellises and grow more plants vertically decks patios and stairs can all host containers so if you're also trying to maximize your space Can you place containers anywhere? Can you do containers running alongside a balcony railing, stair railing? Can you put big containers on decks or patios? So think about what you can grow in containers. Tomatoes grow well in containers. Herbs grow well in containers. We've also grown greens in containers as well quite successfully. So think about what you could plant in containers as well. And then can you therefore free up some garden space and put some of these plants into containers and then plants that prefer beds you now have more free space to use so think carefully about what your garden looks like 
where you have the space to grow and how you can use that space to maximize efficiency in your garden. And I also want to give you a reminder, though, that planting, weeding, watering, and maintenance is in general time-consuming. It is important not to feel overwhelmed at first. If gardening is new for you, be kind to yourself and set realistic goals. Start with a few raised beds, or one raised bed, and some containers, or maybe you're just going to container garden this year. One important thing I do want to talk about is when planning and mapping out your garden for the year, think about watering. Think about watering in your layout. So think about your water source in your garden and think about how that is going to get to your plants. So I know there are going to be pretty much in most climates, there will be times throughout the year you will have to water your plants. Especially here in Alberta or northern climates, typically we tend to get a bit of a drier summer and we need to go out and water those beds every so often. So one thing method we have started successfully is using uh, rainwater in barrels and then using a gravity, just simply hose pipes and a gravity fed system of those hose pipes on those beds. And we can leave those pipes, hose pipes in the beds and they will just water the beds. And it works really, really well. Um, and it requires no power on our end, no motorized system or anything. Um, but that's because we have our, the way we've been able to place it, we can ha- put our water barrels up a little bit higher than our beds. And they're not too far away, so the hose pipes don't have too far to travel to get those beds watered. Um, and don't get me wrong, I've definitely been there and not taking this into account. Water is very heavy. And if the bulk of your garden is going to be far from your water collection system, you have to think about how you're going to get the water down to your garden. Believe me, lugging watering cans to feed your expansive beds, it can get old pretty quick. I've been there and done that. And it is doable, but... It can take, it's very time consuming and it takes a lot of time and energy to constantly go and fill up those little watering cans, walk them down to your beds, water, and go back and refill and go back to your beds and water. So very time consuming, very hard work, but it is doable if that is all you have and what is working for you. Also, please don't think I'm trying to encourage you to go out and buy an expensive sprinkler or irrigation setup. Not right away. But just food for thought. Think about watering your garden. How does the water get around your garden? How do your plants get their water needs as well? And are there any ways you can make that system as efficient as possible for yourself? So just some food for thought there too when you're mapping out and planning that garden for the year. We'd also highly encourage you to um, collect rainwater in bowels if you can. Last year we fed our garden entirely Um, All of its water needs were from those rain barrels. So we were really, really pleased with how they worked. The final part of planning your garden for the year is actually also getting to pick what you're going to grow, ordering those seeds. And probably, in fact, the most 
enjoyable part of your garden planning. It's the time you can kick back with a coffee. It's the time to browse your seed catalogs, shop online, or find a way of supporting your local seed store or garden center. Maybe give them a call and see if they will do curbside pickup. Maybe they have online ordering this year. But try to find some way of enjoying those of enjoying and ordering and supporting from those local seed stores, those small shops. We also, when we plan and order our seeds, we've always gone for staples that can be preserved and store well in colder climates. Like I said, we started canning last year, but typically we have frozen or used a cold storage. And in northern climates, we get those very, very long winters. So you want... Um, crops that are going to store well. So think we've gone potato beds, carrots, Brussels sprouts, onions, shallots, tomatoes, cucumbers, squashes, um, beans and peas. And we also go for greens and herbs such as lettuces, kale, dill, parsley. Those are also really big staples in our garden. Um, We also enjoy flowers. So flowers are actually a really important part of the garden and really important to include in your gardening gardening system. So not only are they enjoyable, they look pretty, um, it's also fantastic and very satisfying to go and get a vase of fresh cut flowers from your garden, bring those inside the house on a summer's day. But flowers will also attract those pollinators, those bees into your garden, which is important for uh, local ecologies in your garden, supporting local habitat. And insects and pollinators are very healthy, are very healthy and good for your garden. So you uh, want to plant flowers as well. You can interplant them, plant them in containers, get them in beds, get them somewhere in your garden and get those pollinators into your garden as well. So make some space and time to order some flowers. Plus, Many flowers can also be used for edible or medicinal purposes. So, for example, calendula is a good one that they are edible and can also be used to make bombs and uh, calendula oils from. So those are always a good one. Poppies look very nice in gardens. Sunflowers are another one that would be edible and they look amazing. Kids also get a lot of joy out of growing them. So sunflowers are also a really nice addition to a garden. And I also enjoy the challenge of trying something new each year when I order. So you never know, but you may end up with a new favorite in your rotation. Order something that you wouldn't typically grow and you just basically want an experiment plant for that year. Have an experiment plant if you feel up to the challenge. Try order something new, something a bit out there and see how it does. It's going to be a lot of fun. Once you've decided your go-tos, I highly recommend following the grower's instructions about time to plant and where you're going to plant them. Map these out onto the blueprints of your garden. So look at all your seeds you've got, look at the back for what best time to plant and um, where to plant, whether they prefer sunny or shady, and then put these onto your garden map. Okay, make a key, color in, do a diagram, whatever it may be that works for you, but get those onto your map. Write the date right on the calendar for every month. Watch you're going to plant as well so you don't forget. Okay, so there you have it. You've got your garden mapped out. You've thought about your water. You've thought about your space. You've thought about your planting areas. 
and you've mapped out what you're going to plant and when you're going to plant it onto your blueprints. That is your garden plan for the year. Here's a hint though. We have also found lettuces and kales to be more cold hardy and grow fairly early in the spring. In, and they will grow in those shady, shadier areas. So when we plant our garden, we think of growing things like lettuces and greens. We grow them a bit earlier and in those shadier areas. Also, as you may know, or may well learn, gardening has so many factors that come into play. You can plant exactly according to instructions in a good location and Mother Nature will still have other ideas about how your gardening season will play out. And that about brings our time together to a close. So just remember, at the end of the day, we can do our best as gardeners, but Mother Nature will also have a big hand in that. And it's just important as gardeners to reflect and enjoy our growing seasons. So please tune in to the next episode where I discuss some strategies for starting early in a colder climate. I've enjoyed our time together, and as always, I wish you warmest wishes. Thank you for tuning in.